0: welcome to another episode of the rebecca mendations podcast where we talk about everything business love and science i have the absolute pleasure of raquel boris joining me today the founder and ceo of who is elijah a in top selling incredible smelling perfume and Raquel, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to dive into this conversation because there are so many golden nuggets that I know people will find so much value in. So thank you.
1: Oh, thank you for having me, Rebecca. And thank you for everyone for tuning in when you're tuning in.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wherever you're listening on podcast land. Um, I mean, I'm obviously a huge fan. I'm actually wearing one of your scents right now. Um, It smells incredible. The office loves me. But... I, for anyone that sort of might not know, which I highly doubt, can you share a little bit about your incredible
1: business that started not so long ago? Yeah. I feel like this intro gets longer and longer every podcast I get now, <laughs> exciting. <laughs> um. So the, from the very humble beginnings of 2017. I was very lucky and fortunate enough to be able to travel to America for the first time with my group of amazing best friends to go to Coachella and Vegas. I definitely don't um, think people should do that combo more than once. It's very hard, like, <laughs> Coachella. Um, but yes, I was, uh, went there. I was 20. How old was I? I must have been 23. And um, coincidentally, my now husband, we had just sort of started dating and I asked him to be my boyfriend the day before that we went away. And um, he coincidentally had the exact same trip built uh, books so vegas the same hotel exact dates coachella everything so it was just kind of like my whole world i didn't even know was just aligning for me um and it was at coachella that um my friend matt who i was with introduced me to one of his girlfriends from queensland and she just smelled amazing and i was just so intoxicated <laughs> okay, I love her yeah yeah and I like—I was never even someone that was like loved you know fragrance like my parents I think for my 21st b- birthday bought me um Gypsy Water by Barado which I loved and I wore that for literally until I started Who Is Elijah it was the only fragrance that I wore um yeah and I, I sort of started wearing it was just like this little like bottle of fragrance oil um like really cheap like really cheap like rusted lid and everything <laughs> and um I was kind just, of love uh, yes yeah, it it's like you know the sort of like thrift store loves um and I started wearing it um back at home around Bondi Adam lived in sort of Vaucluse and I lived in Cronulla so wearing it around going out you know for drinks and things like that and complete strangers and people that I knew were coming up to me like tapping me on the shoulder like what are you wearing what are you wearing I can smell you from literally two streets away and um yeah I was just tipsy one one afternoon with my friend Matt who introduced me to um the fragrance and um yeah we just sort of said why don't we try and make it into a fragrance and here we are, four years later. <laughs> <laughs> Literally.
0: And, I mean, I, I know there's a bit of a story with that original business partner. What what happened there? Because I, I think this is sort of the turning point of really showcasing who you are as a founder. I think this was the beginning for you.
1: Yeah. So it was very early stages that, you know, we were um, business partners. Um, but we did definitely start, like, looking into how do you actually make a fragrance, um, Testing sort of um different fragrance manufacturers around Australia. Um being Australian made was always sort of um number one priority. So we didn't even look elsewhere. Um Matt, I remember like Matt was sort of like starting to look at how to sort of become your own perfumer, and I was like, no, like I'm gonna stay in my lane, like I do not even want to start to think about that. So the creative sort of I guess dif- differences were there from the beginning. Um, and then I ended up find, find finding the perfumer that we used to sort of create our first fragrance with, and um, which was uh, what, which is his/her that many people know today. Um, and Matt liked it, but um, we just sort of, we just had sort of. I guess I really, truly believed that this, you know, this was something, and I really believed that it was going to go far. And um, I think Matt sort of had his foot just sort of lightly dipped in the water and you know didn't believe in it as much. I think Matt at the time he sort of had sort of tried like a different business venture and didn't um didn't really turn into anything, so he was a little bit more wary, whereas this was my first and only um so yeah, and i'm I mean we just so we just sort of wanted to call it different names and Um, I just sort of said to him one day, like, look, like, I'm really 100% in so serious about this, like, you're in or you're out. Um, And he decided that he just, you know, wasn't in it for the long haul. And we just amicably split, split. Um, but again, it was very, like, early, early day. So we, like, I had created his, her, but um, it's not like his, her had been given a name or any, like, planning behind it. We hadn't even come up with the name of the company yet. So it was really early. I know and that And we're still good. best friends. I love that. And I, I
0: know that feeling so well. I mean, I think there's two, there's two questions that pop up for me hearing this. And obviously, one is the the amicable breakup, right? I, I mean, you're obviously friends, so I'm sure that would have had some collateral damage or impact, even if you are in a good place now. Mm-hmm. Um, just emotionally, that process would have been quite challenging. Um, and then the other thought that pops up is you know, I remember being 22, 23 and starting my first business. I mean, where were you at in terms of being a business owner? Like, did you have a, like, methodical plan of, okay, this is what it's going to look like, this is each step along the way, or are you just, you know, threw through, through yourself in the deep end and how did you navigate that first phase?
1: Firstly, absolutely not did I have a plan. I still don't have a plan. <laughs> um anyone it. that works for me will vouch for this I am so on the go like <laughs> I've never had a business plan I don't even have a marketing plan like I did the social media for Who's Elijah because I love it so much and I don't even schedule it in like I am so on the go um but yeah I mean I'm really just well, at the time, I was working as an executive assistant, which I don't even know how I was that anymore because I'm now so not a planner. But back then, I was. Um, I don't know what happened. Like, literally, I started who was Elijah, and I just turned into this like creative. I don't want to say genius, but like creative person that I had never, I guess, let myself be before because I was such a had to have been so methodical and like planning and and um organized for my you know I was an executive assistant for about six years so it was like I just sort of like unleashed this like creative monster and um yeah I turned into like a gypsy like I just (laughs) just literally went with the flow and um I mean it's it's worked out amazing and you know two a a year and a half ago now um my husband joined the company full-time and I I, kind of push him to be more the CEO now because that is him like he's so strategic and Um, you know knows how to put a plan in place and can forecast and like really make things happen whereas I seem to make things happen but I think it's because I've got this amazing team in the background that's actually making it happen.
0: (laughs) I think that's such a powerful thing to recognize though I think that's often um, you know as founders we do have to wear all hats Mm. right we have to do everything literally like every job you could possibly imagine I have done and can do backwards underwater right now. And that's, you know, part of building building a, a company. But having that awareness that, okay, this is what I'm golden at. This is what I'm a genius at. This is yeah. where I thrive and I'm going to hire everyone else around me to do the mm-hmm. other stuff that I don't like. Um, do you find that quite easy in terms of like know control like are you are you happy to delegate and and give on that sort of autonomy to your team
1: yeah i mean i mean i don't know i hope my team think this as well but i'm so not a control freak i mean i definitely have full overview and i know what's going on every second inside the business but it's definitely not in a micromanaged way i mean our team is still small so it's not like you know i think we've got 11, 11 sort of people in our team so it's and we've only got like like two teams so it's not like it's so hard to not fully understand what's going on um but i i especially in the past couple of months i have definitely started to sort of not become unaware but not feel that i have to be so 100% aware of what's going on every second um, because it you know we did start literally from the garage ground floor up um, it, it's just sort of been, been natural that I un- know what's going on and it hasn't been that long since I've you know bef- I have had a team together so I was not that long ago the only part of the team and then slowly gradually adding one person here one person there um, but yeah I mean I am definitely haven't always felt like I needed to have my eyes and hands on everything but it just sort of had to be that way like any business owner I guess at the beginning like you don't have money to hire anyone until you start making money so you sort of definitely learned how to do it that way and then when you're fortunate enough to hire good people like bloody hell let it go have a break (laughs) that's I think
0: that's the number one takeaway from this entire episode is have a break (laughs) Like, for yeah. God's sake, I mean, I, I really can connect to that right now. Mm-hmm. I'm like trying to schedule in a day off oh,
1: <laughs> and God. my team are
0: laughing at me like, yeah, sure. Yeah,
1: <laughs> we yeah. all hope you do. <laughs> you need <laughs> <Get> to. <out. laughs>
0: yeah. But it's, you know, it's it's so interesting when it comes to growth and hiring people and developing and, you know, beginning that sort of journey. I find personally that I grew so quickly and so much through that particular aspect because you know, understanding people and the people that work with you is the fundamental element of the success of your business because they're the ones that are talking to your customers. They're the ones that are having that, you know, those customer experiences. Um, what has that been like for you just in, in, in a personal growth element? Like what did you do to support yourself through even just hiring the right people because that's mm-hmm. so hard in itself.
1: Yeah, that is that is the hardest part. I um so I live in Cronulla. Just to give you the full context, I live in Cronulla, um, and I was very fortunate enough that um in I think it was July or June, twenty twenty, was when um I finally landed um my first retailer or major retailer, David Jones, and I sort of gave myself a goal. Okay, if I can, because I was still working full time as an executive assistant. Um, And everyone lived through 2020 COVID years. So um, (laughs) I sort of gave myself a a personal and career goal, I guess, that if I could get David Jones, I'll quit my job and work on Who is Elijah full time. So I was very fortunate that that happened literally straight away. Um, and then, so I sort of reached out to, or one of my friends actually reached out to me and said, Hey, like I could help you. I don't really want to go back to my childcare job. So I would love to come help you. And we'll, so she came and she started helping me fill bottles in like our makeshift warehouse. That was once my garage at home that we renovated, um yes that was sort of my first hire so that was really nice and easy um and her name is kiki and she actually stayed with me until about six months ago as my warehouse manager so that was amazing and she moved back to bali so um that was really easy and then from there We slowly sort of just hired, like, warehouse staff because that was the most busiest part of the business. Um, And that was okay. That was okay. Um, We haven't really had too many issues hiring, um, like, warehouse staff. And we've built this amazing culture in the warehouse too. So it's all female except for, like, one male who's my brother. Um, (laughs) Lucky guy. Lucky guy. Um, But, you know, we were very strict on, like, um, the culture is you know, no bitchiness. Like I've worked in really bitchy environments before and I used to cry in the toilet when God. I'm like, <laughs> it was so sad.
0: Um, horrible, corporate. I mean, look, this is coming from someone who's never had a job in her life, literally. I've okay. been an entre- entrepreneur since I was 17. Wow. So, and <laughs> I hear this time and time again, this corporate political drama of the cattiness, the mm. um, just... Cruel, cruel behavior. Like, I mean, and I I think that's so important Mm. to have that understanding that that's unacceptable if Mm. you're the one running the company. Like, but you know, it's still people are human, right? Human behavior. We can't necessarily you can't control people, Mm. but you can provide them with an environment that supports them to feel safe and loved and cared for. So, um, yeah, I I think that's incredible that you instilled that from the start.
1: Yeah, and they have the girls, are, like, I call them the girls, but the girls have been amazing and um, we're such like a little family. It's like really corny and cliche. Wow. Um, but where I really struggled was when I thought that I was ready to sort of hire that more senior roles because I think, you know, it's, you you get like a lot of let's call it success um, quickly and then you kind of think okay wow like this is you know it's like addictive right it's like a drug like success and it's like okay well if I can do this on my own what can I do with someone else that can do what I'm doing and then another person and another person so you know I, I added um, I added a sort of sales a wholesale manager and you know that was good for a little while but um, then I noticed like shortly after like my my sales started to really plummet and like not grow. And you know, when you've you know signed an employment contract to pay them X amount of a salary and it's like, well, like, you know, the money has to come from somewhere. And it's like, you know, so that was a role that I did let like go short, not yeah, like less than a year after I would say. Um and then after that, I when I sort of took reins of the business again like we like just grew and grew and grew and I you really realized like you know I yes I'm sort of behind the brand at that stage but pe- and fragrance is the forefront of it but people are really buying into the brand and I don't mean just buying the actual fragrance but really buying into the brand and what we stand for because of me like I created this so I need to be the one that's sort of like talking to people and you know it, we're not at the capacity where I don't have the capacity to do that and it's something that I really want to always make sure that I am doing is like when we bring on our new wholesale account like I want to be the one that's sort of talking to them and onboarding them and you know we've only we've just recently um appointed whole external wholesale agents which has been really helpful because we have I think we're getting close to like 350 wholesale accounts across Australia and you know, as much as I do speak to them one on one directly, but it is a lot to sort of manage. Um, so that help has been really, really good. Um, but yeah, definitely that hiring that senior role really scarred me. And then I hired another senior role, um, that was for our inventory management, which is more important today than than what it was sort of a year and a half ago. But and that was one of my best friends that I hired, and she came from an amazing company, and I just thought sort of thought. I didn't try try to fix the inventory issue enough myself and I just thought, oh, well, I'll just hire someone and that person will fix it. Whereas, you know, it was coming from a completely different company and I, yeah, I I mean, I definitely made the wrong decision and I had to let go my best, 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 best friend and um, I don't deserve her, but she's still my best friend.
0: (laughs) I mean, at least there's a happy ending with that. Yeah. I mean... It's interesting because I I remember being in your shoes probably back in 2017. It's like we, we grew exponentially in the first 12 months of operating. And I went from a team of... Literally, me and my mom in the living room mm-hmm. to about, you know, almost 15 across Australia and wow. New Zealand, and having two offices and having to hire so many salespeople and wholesale account managers. Because yeah. we, we also did everything ourselves. We had our warehouse as well at that point. And the fundamental lesson that I learned was. know because i was so young and i was so emotional and Mm -hmm. i was so attached to the business and i was like you were like i had to be on every email like every Mm -hmm. stockist i had to talk to myself Mm -hmm. everyone knew me um and i was a control freak like completely but (laughs) what i what i learned not not quick enough was (laughs) you really do have to hire slow and fire fast Mm -hmm. because money drains like your Mm -hmm. cash flow exits ruthlessly and it doesn't yeah. matter if you're you know knocking out 100k a month in sales through stockers that mm-hmm. comes in and out when you've got you know poor employees that are not performing and you know you might not be at the stage of trainability like you're not teaching them with systems mm-hmm. and processes quick enough to manage growth um i feel that that's p- potentially something that you experience yeah and i mean what what are the key takeaways for you in that and what have you learned and what are you doing differently now
1: um i mean as as not nice as it sounds higher fast fire faster um i think as soon as you know that there is an issue or you're about to have an issue with someone or doesn't even not necessarily that person but that role like let go always have a six-month probationary period in an employment
0: contract <laughs> yes three months i always. say three months oh i need <laughs> six months yeah yeah <laughs> Give yourself um, extra breathing room.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just think like three months is long enough. But, I mean, okay. depending on the role, I think that, you know, it sometimes takes a little bit longer for that person to settle and then you haven't really got to see how well they can do at the role and that's kind of like the second three months part of it. So, I don't know, I I recommend six months. Um, and yeah, something. yeah. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, you only you, – yeah like work is as, as the as the founder and as the owner like you can work so much harder than what you think like
0: mm. you don't need to. you don't
1: need a two-day weekend like you need like a eight hour weekend like you work as hard as you can for as long as you can and not to say like be stupid and burn yourself out but yeah i mean i just think like we can work so much harder and be more you know automate our time and just be smarter with our time um i think that would be something that i would really focus on a little bit of a side note but i actually just listened to this podcast that rob dedrick was on have you heard of rob dedrick and oh my gosh like the way he talks about like how he manages his time was like honestly like mind opening like this happened just last week so sort of in like a little bit of a mindset switch at the moment which is really good And then just going back to your question, yeah, I think like I have been so slow to hire. Now, like we have, like I don't know, we grew in the last twelve months by a thousand percent. Wow! And our our team has grown by like two people. Yeah, like you really has. We've really proven that like we just need a really good team, and we are small but like so fucking mighty.
0: (laughs) I don't know what it is. I don't know Mm -hmm. where this this mentality Mm. developed from that having a huge team makes you Mm. successful. Like I think that's utter bullshit because Mm. there is so much automation in the world right now. Technology Mm. is our best friend. Like the amount of, amazing skills Mm. that one person acquires the amount of tasks that one person can do if provided with amazing support systems processes automation Mm. you know all the all the tools to give them that best chance to have the best experience with the customer or the job or the you know whatever it is they're doing you don't need eight people doing something one person can do and it Mm. doesn't take away the personal experience either like I think especially with product-based business and retail, like we rely heavily on customer service, right? The mm-hmm. The whole essence of the brand should be my customers need to have the best experience yeah. ever, right? Like that's what builds these successful brands. They they never forget you because of the the interaction they had. You don't need a team of 10 to do that. No. One amazing human with a great personality, with lots of love and lots of attention to detail and a freaking awesome system and CRM. Yeah, <laughs> <You know?
1: laughs> Honestly, like literally you're going to laugh at this and everyone's going to laugh at this and I swear to God it's true. Like nine weeks ago, nine or ten weeks ago, I was doing customer service up until nine or ten weeks ago. I still do it. Yeah, like I hear you. Yeah. yeah, and um, I then then we then I just hired like my first executive assistant, and she's amazing, and she sort of um she took over, and then she implemented this system called Gorgeous. Oh yes, put it Gorgeous. Um, and then because I just like couldn't bring myself to hire. This is gonna sound silly to hire someone to you know potentially like you know, obviously customer services to help people, but you know mistakes happen in the warehouse bottles get broken along the way whatever happens and I was like I don't really want to pay someone to just fix problems that we should just fix before we make them a problem um so then we <laughs> thank you <laughs> it didn't make sense um so you know it's like we um we I sort of offered to my warehouse team um like who wants to sort of upskill and learn how to do customer service and like sort of you know you can do customer service and then keep con- 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 continuing with your job in the warehouse and they love it like they're so exciting so it's you know given us an opportunity to we always want to give opportunity to the girls to like keep upskilling learn different areas of the business you know they're all so young like they obviously don't want to work in the warehouse forever so any chance that we get that we can sort of add something to their role we're going to do that so I think like but I think that's
0: the most important value you can provide your team like I Mm -hmm. that's one thing that I hold so close to my heart is the feeling of progression Hmm. and you know infinite infinite mindset of growth and development that essentially it's a core part of our Hmm. sort of business model is there's always an opportunity to learn whether it's internal courses or external courses or government funded courses Hmm. so they're actually educating you know in in a subject that they absolutely are so passionate about but then that upskilling and development of mindset like You know, I'll sit and teach my team sales and NLP Mm -hmm. and psychology and social sciences and, you know, health and sustainability, whatever that, you know, makes us all, you know, happy and and excited. And that value is what creates that longevity. They're never going to leave. Why would they ever want to leave a working environment where they're loved, supported, cared for and given an opportunity to become a better
1: version of who they are? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's so important. thinking back to sort of like my old roles whenever I sort of wanted to do more it was like yeah you can do it but you're definitely not getting a pay rise or <laughs> like, well, why yeah, the in fuck?" About own time. <laughs> <laughs> so I think like that's really you know we've really sort of like had a conversation with like my team and it's like look like you tell me when you really really think that we need to hire someone to help and until then like we will reward you girls so it's not like we're just doing this to save money like we'll give you guys pay rises but we think that we can do it with this you know amount of team and employees now and we'd rather whatever salary that we were going to give to one person spread it between all of you and you all sort of you know kick in and um sort of make up for the extra person that we may or may not need and they're like oh my god like please never hire anyone and just please keep giving us pay rises because that's you know what they want and they're they're able to like they're able to with the hours in the day.
0: It's quite a um risky conversation. I think, you know, I I've had a few chats about transparency when it comes to employees and teams, how much information to give out. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, there's a there's a fine line between uh, you as the founder, what you know and what you tell. How do you navigate that fine line? How do you create that level of safety in, in, you know, in that environment? Because especially if they're young, I don't know about you, but I've experienced a lot of young hires who come with a level of entitlement in this generation. Mm. Um, you know, w- what, is, what is that transparency versus demand been like for you?
1: Um, honestly, I have not one bad word to say about anyone in my team. Um like you know, I think I'm still young as well. So when I say they're young, you know, I think, I think our youngest is like 19, and um, you know, I met her when she started to be my babysitter. So like I've known her for so long, and um, yeah, I mean, I they, I definitely have met people not at who is Elijah who do have that sense of entitlement, but it's just not that we haven't seen it at um at our team. Obviously there's things that I don't share and things that only get shared with like our management team, for example. Um like our warehouse manager, she's my age and we've known each other for like 14 years. So I mean, yeah, I probably do share too much to be honest. But <laughs> <laughs> you're like, wait a minute, now that I think about now it. Now that I'm thinking about it. it. Um, but yeah. I mean I've also created a very, very safe environment. Mm. Um, And it's probably something, I guess, that I'm maybe cautious about bringing in, you know, new people as well, because does that then sort of not create or not keep this safe environment how it is? I don't know, but... I'll I'll keep you updated, but yeah, I definitely I'm like an oversharer. <laughs> you're an oversharer.
0: It's, it's interesting because the reason I ask is because I, I find there are a lot of similarities between you and I in that sense. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm definitely an oversharer, and you know, when you're 22 and you start a company, it's like, mm-hmm. what do we know? Nothing. Where does that experience exactly? Nothing. Nothing in nowhere. I think you're nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I nothing and nowhere. I knew absolutely nothing, and yeah. the amount of experiences that I had, like the first hire. I ever had was um, a, a man who was older than me and he came mm-hmm. in to be the sales and account manager, the first one we ever hired and he had to manage um, Australia, New Zealand and a little bit of UK and it was the worst experience I ever had in my life but mm-hmm. the best lesson I ever learned Yeah, because I lacked boundaries and I lacked that authoritative mm-hmm. um, I had no experience of being a manager or, you know, Mm -hmm. a leader to anyone. This was like the first person I had to be in charge of. And he had no respect for me. He was incredibly rude, Mm -hmm. Um, didn't, you know, didn't treat me at all like a boss. In fact, he made it very clear later that he didn't take me seriously because I was a girl and I was younger than him. And I remember having an argument in the middle of a trade show. Um, And of course, he was fired. (laughs) But (laughs) it it was just that moment where I was like, there are certain things Mm -hmm. that you just don't share with your employees or you don't, you know, mm-hmm. they don't need to know and there has to be a level of, of you know, you, you want to be friends and you want to create that safety and that wonderful environment of healthy culture and positive mm-hmm. experiences. But then, you know, how much of yourself do you reveal as as a founder? But um, I know your husband is part mm-hmm. of the business as well. Like what what part does he play?
1: Oh, so many parts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Um, no, he's good. So, Adam is amazing. He's a little bit older than me. He's 33, nearly 34. So, like just listening to you then how you hired someone that was you know more mature than you not mature but more older than you like i haven't done that yet i guess i hired my husband he's older than me but that's a little bit different (laughs) but i would i i really feel like when i've got um like sort of put out job advertisements for certain roles and you know i'm looking at resumes and like they're amazing like coming from amazing companies but You know they're a lot older than me and I'm like I just I can't see how that dynamic would work and I think I would feel really uncomfortable Um, yeah so it's interesting that's really interesting but um, Adam is he had run uh, his own business for seven or so years prior to coming over to Who is Elijah and he sold it in early last year so he came in and actually built this somewhat successful fragrance company that i didn't even know how he sold a bottle but he made it actually a structural business like he turned it into a business so he sort of came in and at the time when he came in is when i had to let go of those two people that we spoke about earlier um and so it was i just said to him like i just want to start from scratch basically and start over again like we um just flipped everything upside down and like basically um, you know, drew the blueprint or however you say that saying. <laughs> um, and so he straight away looked into um, implementing Salesforce. I don't know if you've heard of Salesforce. Um, so we sort of looked into that straight away and started building it. And we honestly run our whole business from Salesforce now. Like it's incredible. So that is our inventory, our wholesale sales, our reporting, soon to be our marketing, like our EDM, like everything. It rep- honestly has replaced. And everything that we ever used and needed, um. So he does that. Like he's like such a good people manager. So I guess he's sort of taken the role of HR. Um, he yeah, like he honestly does everything boring, <laughs> and I just do the fun stuff. <laughs> I love that you call it
0: boring. I'm like sitting here going yes, like that's the good shit. Yeah, no, I hate that stuff.
1: But he like he thrives on it. There, like he loves that. Like he does not want to I mean he does enjoy getting like in like the creative meetings and things like that but he's so like you stay in your lane Raquel and I'm going to stay in my lane and I can't do what he does and um without him like I don't know I'd probably be bankrupt because I just didn't know what I was doing last year.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean again this is such a brilliant uh, Mm -hmm. moment because it sort of opens the door to a really important conversation which is you know when it comes to building a company sometimes we are faced with situations where you know we don't know enough about something right mm-hmm. you've got this creative mind you're the inspiring sort of thought leader you're the big dreamer you're in the clouds you're making mm-hmm. the magic happen but then there's this whole other side of the company which is you know the financials the systems the processes the business development is is that something that you get involved in even though you don't like it because I think as an entrepreneur, we often put ourselves in these like boxes of like, okay, this is what I'm good at. Just like, let me be free. Like everybody Mm. pissed off, let me just like run wild. But (laughs) you know, to build an empire, to build a company that's long lasting, you have to have both sides of the brain. And it's incredible you've got your partner with you, but is it something that you're, you're sort of working on and developing into?
1: Yeah, like absolutely. I'm still across everything. Like. Adam doesn't really do the finances. I sort of oversee that, but we have, like, our finance manager and our really good accountant. So I just think I always think it's so important for, I don't know about anyone else, but me, like, I and I I guess I thrive on it, like, seeing what we're making. Okay, how much money can we allow for, you know, these crazy creative things that I want to do? So I think, like, being, like, in the finance, like, every day is so important because it kind of, like, keeps you humble and grounded about what you can do i think that's really important so haven't really let that um like handed that over yet um but everything else that adam does like the structure thing like he has like really taught me you know Salesforce and like it is an incredible system and i am very heavily involved in it but it's just, like, when it comes to, like, the three-hour meetings, I'm, like, okay, bye.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, I've learned enough now. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> half an hour,
1: one-hour talks. But, um, yeah. but I mean, I really appreciate it. Like, I appreciate it. And I'm, I'm not, like, oh, my God, this is stupid. Like, I know without it, like, we're screwed. But, um, yeah, like, I, I definitely want to be across it all. But, yeah. Um, Yeah, I've got, like, a time limit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's a very, very healthy boundary. I think if there's one thing, um, one piece of advice in that is create healthy boundaries with your time because that creates effective, pragmatic, functioning business when you actually can say no to shit that isn't Mm -hmm. important to you at the time. But, yeah, I mean... Just from a holistic point of view, when you look at how far you've come, what you've created, because you've got so many incredible stockers now, you're killing it in regards to e-commerce. I think it is such an incredible product in itself. Forget about all that success. Mm-hmm. The actual product itself is phenomenal. Smells beautiful. It's quite mm-hmm. unforgettable when you, you know, smell it for the first time. Just for you, what are the big takeaways? What have you learned? What is what is some advice that you can give to anybody that's going in a similar journey of product-based business, which is very challenging?
1: Yeah. Oh gosh, how much time do we have? Um, as, as much as you want to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I have had such an enjoyable time. I've made so many fucking mistakes, but <laughs> I look at them pretty much all of them as like a positive so you know those mistakes i made 2 years ago have le- led me to here and i'm so grateful for it and better make them early on than 5 years in and then you're like really screwed and you've got more people watching you and it's a bit ha- harder to hide the mistakes but um i you know i i, I started listening to podcasts but i was sort of in the early stages of who is liza and I actually got DM'd last night, asking someone asking me, um, or oh, like, what business um business courses have you done? And I'm like, I've literally barely finished high school. Like, I've done zero <laughs> courses, I've but podcasts, you. like podcasts, I've learned everything from podcasts and just listening to people. And p- especially when you can find like people on podcasts and people that um, you know, even guests on the podcast that you can really relate to, it's so much easier to listen, like really listen and really take in all of like what they're talking about. Um, so that would be the number one thing that I would do um from day one, even day one hundred um and then my fragrance itself, so like the liquid that has always remained the same and in my mind, perfect, but all the outside stuff, so like the bottles, the boxes, like you don't that doesn't need to be perfect from day one because unless you're lucky and you've got investment, like you can't afford to have perfect everything, but as long as like the main. You know product that you're selling which in my case is the fragrance itself is perfect then the other stuff you can add and perfect as you go on and I look at the boxes that we I launched who was a library now and like I can't believe that anyone even bought them, but so many people bought them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's so true though. It's like that cliche, you know, concept of um, you know, if you're launching perfect, you're launching too late. And you know, I am such an advocate for this thought because mm-hmm. so I have no attention to detail, like zero. I can't spell, mm-hmm. I can't do maths, like yep. you know, just what that's just not the <laughs> way I operate. And the amount of launches we had of products with typos and issues mm-hmm. on the packaging and just, like, little things like that that, yeah. n- like, no one's going to notice, but, mm-hmm. you know, it would break your heart a little when when it, you know, it, it yeah. lands in store. But I just never gave a crap. Like, I was, everyone yeah. was, like, freaking out around me. I'm like, it's fine. Who okay.
1: <laughs> Yeah. Like, I, I do some things when there's a mistake. I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, I wish we didn't do that. But, again, like, it's everything's fixable and you know yeah. in the early days you're, you're not ordering like what i order now like 10 dollars dollars or something so if you make a mistake you've only got a couple of thousand it's like it's not that big of a deal like you can fix it in the next run um and then i think like depending on the product like ip is like really important like i would I'm. Mean, it's it's such an expense at the start but i mean it's definitely something that i wish that i had been more even just more aware of like having licensing agreements and you know getting all your ducks in a row and you know I think that's really important because once you sort of you know people aren't going to try and steal it at the start or try and take it from you at the start but you know five years down the track when they see your success like
0: Fucking, they're going to come and steal it from you because <laughs> it it's seen it work. <laughs> I know. I, I know. Before we started recording, I shared something with you, and it's mm. literally the the you know what just happened to us, which mm. I won't go into detail, but it's it's so important. I can't stress it enough. Like I remember um, being in like the first year of operation, and we launched across UK, Europe, and New Zealand at the same time, and we had distributors all through Asia. And I was begging my business partner, please, can we get i p like please I know it's it's going to cost us I think it ended up being almost thirty k mm-hmm. um just you know straight off the bat, and there would have been more legal fees involved and i w- it was a crying over, and i 'm like, please like i'm building an empire here. this isn't a lifestyle business like this is a huge company that like in my head in my the vision I had for myself. And she was arguing with me by the way, my business partner is my mother, so
1: <laughs> We we're, <laughs>
0: were yelling at each other, and it was just this like horrible fight and you know five it's been eight years now, actually mm-hmm. in operation, and we've had so many issues in the last three years of you know i p being stolen, um little legal battles, little cease and desist issues that were just so easy to deal with because we had like you said all the ducks in a row obviously mm-hmm. i won that argument but it it's so important to take it seriously if you're trying to build a lasting company mm. because
1: it, it does happen all the time yeah all the time and it's so heartbreaking um and yeah. people are assholes like so much <laughs> <laughs> um uh, what else um yeah um i think obviously we've spoken about a lot on this episode now like hiring people um and like really and I think when you do start to hire people and you know because usually when you f- first hire people in you know your small startups like they're you know everyone's like an all-rounder like you know and I think it's I think it's good to sort of start putting job descriptions together and you know everyone knowing what their responsibilities are and I mean that's something little but I think that does go a long way um especially as you start to grow um I think
0: it's so important.
1: Yeah, I think so important. So
0: important. I I can't tell you the amount of times, you know, I'd have an employee that's three months into the job and it can go both ways. It can be like, I'm so confused. I have no idea what my job is. I I remember that when I first hired my first sort of mini team for New Zealand operations. Um, I had no job descriptions and I was just hiring all around us because there was so many things to do. And this poor girl, oh my God, she was having a mental breakdown. She like sat me down and she's like, Beck, what the fuck is my job? Like, <laughs> can you just tell me in words what I'm supposed to do every day? And we like wrote out this whole system process yeah. handbook and we still use it today. Um, job descriptions are so important. Just having yeah. that, that it's like a safety, right? It's like that person has purpose. They know exactly why they come in. They know what their goals are. And if they want to achieve more and if they want to add value and do more things, they have that space. But just knowing yeah. the foundation, I think, is so valuable.
1: Yeah. And like, even like, I can't, I've probably like sat down a few times over the past year, year and a half, and actually written a job description for myself. Yeah. Because, <laughs> <Good one. laughs> and it's not because I'm not doing my job, long. but you know it, it, you find that you write the things that you enjoy most at the top and then you start to add the other things at the bottom and then it's like when that list starts to get a bit maybe overwhelming then you know you can start to delegate to certain people in the business and i don't know maybe some things you can automate where it just sort of happens in the background or you can make it sort of work itself um i think but- that- such a beautiful yeah.
0: piece of advice that is such yeah. a tangible takeaway. Like if you're feeling stuck, if you're feeling overwhelmed, write it down, write everything mm-hmm. down, every to-do list, every task, and then see what you can delegate, see what who can support you, even if you're not big enough with a team, friends, family, anyone that can sort of come together and be there for you.
1: Yeah, yeah. definitely. And I think like my last little nugget of advice would be like just ask people, like I have so many people just lately that have sort of been like DMing like my personal page, like asking for advice and like I'm very flattered and I still don't know if I'm the best teacher. But, you know, I will always, you know, offer my time and, um, you know, I'm sorry, Rebecca, you're the same. And reach, like people enjoy sort of giving advice, I think. And I've reached out to so many people that I never thought would give me the time of day. And, you know, they're so quick to sort of give advice or like, Um, you know it might be it's something that comes so easy to them where it's like you know you've been thinking about it for six months and it's like someone can solve that problem in a matter of minutes you're like oh god like I've just wasted six months of my time um but I think like yeah like don't be don't be scared to ask for help like no one I am such a big believer that nobody knows what they're doing at all like I've, (laughs) I've worked for like CEOs and you know they get paid so much money to not really do anything. It's everyone underneath that does it for them. So it's like, you know, reach out to like brand managers and like all types of roles of the business um, that you might like aspire to sort of grow like or, you know, sort of be like and get ideas from. Um, Yeah, like I'm such an Instagram whore. I DM everyone.
0: (laughs) I think that's absolutely the number Mm. one thing you could do. I I talk about this all the time. It's build your network don't be scared to ask for help. I think there is so much value in um, working together. It's the togetherness that grows the business. It's that, you know, even when you do have a team, don't just make decisions without them. You know, Mm. have those beautiful brainstorming sessions. Get everyone involved from different departments because that rethinking, that lateral thinking, that, you know, solution-based environment is so powerful. So, like, yeah, exactly. If you're stuck... And you've got this person on Instagram that is doing already what yeah. you want to do, freaking ask them. Like mm. it, it's so it's, it's the most beautiful way to mm. to learn as well, because when you have experienced shares, it might not be exactly mm. the same problem. But just that little like, you yeah. know, spark of value that you can gain is just priceless. Yeah, I, I think yeah. that is incredible advice.